Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. The Bears have the number one pick in Justin Fields, but is a quarterback off the table? The word of the week is resiliency for the Jaguars, and Monday night's performance may have vaulted Stetson Bennett to the top of the college football pantheon. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. The Chicago Bears have Justin Fields coming off a historic rushing performance in year two. They're all set at quarterback, right? Well, Maybe not because they have the number one overall pick in the draft this year. Thanks, Lovey Smith. Uh, one of the biggest Bears Lovey Smith wins in a decade. Joining me now from Locked On Bears, Lauren Cox. And, and Lauren, I know this is a conversation that you have already had with your listeners because this has already come up. We, we couldn't even make it three days in the offseason without having this conversation. So when, when you found out that the Bears were going to have the number one overall pick, like what number on the list of things did you think quarterback would be in terms of like what the bears might consider? Yeah, it's pretty much as far from the top of the list as possible. It's like, this is a, this is a roster that needs so many different things. Like you're not going to take a running back or a kicker or a punter number one, but like after that, pretty much any other position was on the board kind of, kind of felt like except quarterback. And so it, really drops down to if you're thinking 22 different starting positions, you know, becomes 18, 19 or 20 on that list. And everything else seems a lot more higher priority based on all the needs this team would have. That being said, I think that there is, and I have made this case on Twitter, as you know, um, that, that there are reasons to be, you know, maybe a little skeptical that Justin Fields is the, is the future of the franchise. So is it a situation? Ryan Pulse said it, by the way that everything is on the table and that they would have to be blown away by one of these guys to consider taking him. What do you think is the circumstance here? Is, is Ryan Poles being, being honest? Like what, what do you think is the circumstance that would make them say, okay, this is something that can work. Is it the, if someone says, Hey, we'll give you two firsts for Justin Fields and you can take whoever you want. Like what is the circumstance where you think it makes sense for the bears? Yeah, for me, it would have to be a prospect that they're just so sure. Like, like to me, it would be a different, it'd be, it'd be a more real conversation if we had a a guy like Trevor Lawrence in this class mm. that was the consensus number one quarterback, the Andrew Luck. All of a sudden, that becomes a little bit more of a hard discussion. But it, it feels to me a little bit right now like a lot of people like Bryce Young, and that seems to be where the favorite is. But some people like CJ Stroud more. Will Levis has some fans. Like, we're kind of in one of those quarterback classes where there's not that consensus top guy and it feels to me a little bit like then it's less likely that the bears would truly fall in love with one as the can't miss prospect that you just have to get because you're so certain that he's going to be better than justin fields and so you know teams might come with offers and i certainly would expect that but but it feels to me more like the general manager is just being honest and saying yes we evaluate every quarterback in every draft class and at any position if we saw a clear upgrade there we would have to consider it but it seems unlikely that given all they've invested in Justin Fields and around Justin Fields and the emphasis, the time, the effort, it just feels like they're so much, they're so into this. And they talked even at the press conference, Ryan Pohl says, we're excited about his development. We're looking forward to what he's going to do for us in the future. They, they seem to be very comfortable with Justin Fields, but always open to the idea that yes, he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Josh Allen by any means. There are better quarterbacks. You can do better. And if that opportunity presented itself, they'd have to consider it and listen to it. 
There has been, I think one of the arguments here is, well, this Bears team is a long way away from competing. They've got a war chest of assets to spend over a hundred million in, in draft cap or draft um, in, uh, in salary cap space that they can spend. And if you draft someone now, you get two years on that rookie contract. That's extra. So how do you think that potentially factors in here? What do you make of that argument? Yeah, it's it's a good team building argument. And I, I definitely see the merit in it and the value of the quarterback on the rookie contract. But I, I don't get the impression from the Bears that they're overly worried about maximizing that window for better or for worse, right? I mean, I, I, can, I can see where you want to have the quarterback as cheap as possible for as long as possible, but they're much more concerned about just like, building a smart football team and, and getting as good of a talent around the quarterback position as possible. Cause you know, at the very least, if fields doesn't work out two years from now, worst case scenario, you have a really good team around the quarterback position and you can look to add to the quarterback spot and have like a ready-made roster to surround whoever that next quarterback is going to be. Even if you won't at that time have the number one overall pick to be able to add that player to there. So it's, I think they're, they're really want to see out this Justin Fields evaluation and take, take the burden in the hand as, as Lions general manager, Brad Holmes said today in the NFL, it's a lot easier to get worse at quarterback than it is to get better. Stay up to date all year on the Chicago bears by subscribing to locked on sports today and locked on bears on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, the Jaguars need to go to the well one more time to tap into their resiliency against the Chargers. But first, the Baltimore Ravens locked up a key piece of their defense. Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all your gambling needs. The Bucks are slight favorites on the road against the Hawks. Bet Online likes Giannis and company by two. The Pelicans are in Beantown to take on the Celtics. Bet Online loves Boston here and favors them by nine. And the Rockets are up against the Kings. I don't. The Rockets are borderline unwatchable. Bet Online likes the Kings by eight and a half. So gamble on it. Bet Online where the game starts. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Baltimore Ravens have locked up their defensive leader. The Baltimore Ravens make a massive splash on Tuesday afternoon. I'm Kevin Oshager, the host of Locked On Ravens. Baltimore and inside linebacker Roquan Smith reportedly agreed on a five-year, $100 million extension, keeping Roquan Smith in Baltimore for the next five years. This was a move that a lot of people were anticipating. The Ravens and Roquan Smith get the deal done right before Baltimore's wildcard weekend matchup with the Cincinnati Bengals. Smith has been everything and more since Baltimore acquired him from the Chicago Bears in exchange for a second and a fifth round pick. He's been incredible for them, elevating their defense. Now they have him in the middle for the next five years. His $20 million per season becomes the highest in terms of inside linebackers throughout the NFL, something he certainly has earned. For more on the Ravens and Roquan Smith, be sure to follow the Locked On Ravens podcast and subscribe on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The Washington Commanders fired offensive coordinator Scott Turner on Tuesday after yet another disappointing season offensively. Well, the Washington Commanders have fired offensive coordinator Scott Turner after three years on the job. Ron Rivera confirming that in a team statement and also issuing his own words. Quote, I met with Coach Turner today and informed him we will be moving on in another direction going forward with the uh, offensive coordinator position. He said, in part, we did not live up to expectations and the standard that he expected to see from the offense. He also mentioned he has a tremendous amount of respect for Scott and thanked him for his three years of service. 
to the Commanders organization. Of course, Rivera was with Scott Turner and North Turner, the former Washington head coach, both in Carolina, which of course led to Scott joining Ron in 2020 as his offensive coordinator. This past year, the Commanders were 20th in yards per game, 28th in run, 22nd in pass, 18th in first downs, and here's really where the problem lies. 24th in scoring, 31st in goal to go, and 25th in red zone, and the same on third down. So Scott Turner is gone. Wait a second. The Miami Heat made how many free throws? A new NBA record has been set by the very shorthanded Heat as they beat the Oklahoma City Thunder. Well, with just one starter available, the Miami Heat had to find a way to win against the Thunder, and they did it by setting a new NBA record. I'm Wes Goldberg from Lockdown Heat. Without Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, or Caleb Martin, Jimmy Butler stood as Miami's lone starter and scored 35 points to lift the Heat to a 112-111 win against the Thunder. Here's the crazy part. Butler made just six field goals the entire game. Here's the record-setting part. Of those 35 points, 23 of them came at the free throw line. In fact, Jimmy Butler made all 23 of his uh, free throw attempts, including the last one, to complete a three-point play with 12.9 seconds to go. Not only did that free throw give the Heat the lead and the win, it also set a new NBA record as the Heat overall went 40 of 40 at the line. Butler accounted for 23 of those. Gabe Vincent went 6 for 6, Jamal Kane went 5 for 5, Dwayne Dedman went 2 for 2, and Victor Oladipo went 2 for 2 as well. I'm going to say this again. 40 of 40 from the free throw line. The Heat made more free throws than field goals. They outscored the Thunder by 26 points at the line, and they ended up finding a way to win. For more on the game, the record, Jimmy Butler's performance, and Dwayne Dedman's ejection, check out Locked on Heat on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Donovan Mitchell returned to Salt Lake City as the Cleveland Cavaliers took on the Utah Jazz. On a night highlighted by Donovan Mitchell's return, it was a seven-point play by Jordan Clarkson that won the game for the Utah Jazz tonight. David Locke of Locked on Jazz. Donovan Mitchell's first game back to Utah. The crowd went bananas for him. Raucous uh, cheering as he was announced after the tribute video in the arena. And then late in the night, the crowd showed how much they desperately wanted to beat Donovan Mitchell in one of the loudest nights of the year in Salt Lake City. The Jazz were down five. Jordan Clarkson went up for a three-point shot, made the shot. Karis LeVert with a flagrant foul. The technical free throw was good. Jazz got the ball. Clarkson comes around to pick, goes up for three, and is fouled again by Karis LeVert. And he makes all three free throws. A seven-point play for the Utah Jazz. Changes it from down five to up two, and the Jazz hold on to win it, beating Donovan Mitchell despite his 46 points in his return to Salt Lake City. More on Locked on Jazz tomorrow. And over on the ice, the Detroit Red Wings dropped a touchdown and an extra point in a win over the Winnipeg Jets. Well, that was horrifically fun as the Detroit Red Wings snapped their three-game losing streak, winning 7-5 over the Winnipeg Jets, snapping their five-game winning streak. Moritz Sider has four assists in the game here. A lot of people talking smack on the internet and decided to show up big time in this game. Scotty, what else did we see? <laughs> That's a loaded question, brother. We saw a lot. Uh, I mean, a, a ton of offense in a game that I don't think anyone really predicted would be an offensive 
showcasing by both teams. Uh, so, so that, I guess, for starters. But uh, the Wallman and, and Sider pairing as a whole, I mean, Wallman looked really good. A lot of offense from a lot of places. Andrew Kopp looked really solid. But special teams showed up in this one and in a big way, both parts of special teams so yeah i mean just all around a ton to go over yeah so much to break down and we'll do that on tomorrow's episode of lockdown red wings so stay tuned here is another story you need to know if i had told you six weeks ago the jacksonville jaguars would be hosting a playoff game you probably would have had me committed but here we are saturday night in prime time jaguars chargers in what is one of the best young quarterback battles in a playoff game that I can remember? Trevor Lawrence against Justin Herbert. Joining me now, Tony Wiggins and from Locked On Jaguars. And, and Tony, I, I am so impressed with what Doug Peterson has done in Jacksonville. You and I have talked about it on the show. You mentioned when we talked a week or two ago that Trevor Lawrence really is the straw that stirs the drink with all of this. But this is this is different level of football now. So what what have you seen from the Jaguars that tells you, hey, they, they have a chance to go in here and, and win a game that they're home underdogs in? The resiliency that they showed against the Titans where things didn't actually go their way and they just had a very patient, almost veteran-like professional approach in the second half. I talked to you about uh, after the, the Thursday night game against the Jets, how they looked like an older team uh, when things just – were going a lot going their way, but they weren't really capitalizing off of a lot of things. And then they just stuck to it defensively. This is a very similar game, except that they came from behind. And it would be easily to get impatient, especially in the fourth quarter. They, however, did not do that. They relied on their defense and they won the game in, in, in a very Titan-like way. They were able to uh, make the Titans remember exactly <laughs> what they've done to a lot of people in the past. And so if we come out of this weekend and and the Jaguars have won, what will be the biggest reason that that happened? Uh, they won't turn the ball over, uh, over and over again. And they won't. <laughs> yeah, preferably they, multiple times. Don't do that. Right. And they won't have had uh, at least two of those penalties where they kept drives going for the other team with mm. bad calls on defense. I'm not talking about personal. I'm not talking about pass interference, things that are subjective. I'm talking about dead ball, personal foul penalties. This is the sign that a young team can start to lose itself. I just think that they're they're young, but they're like young to the point where they'll get on any roller coaster, as opposed to a guy like me, especially a guy like me, who I wouldn't even go into a city where there's an amusement park because <laughs> I fear that someone's going to make me get on a roller coaster at this age. Sometimes when you're young and fearless, that means you're not afraid when you should be. And I think that they have a little bit of that in their DNA. Yeah, they don't know enough to be afraid. And we see this all right. the time. Young teams go into the playoffs. It's like, well, I don't know what I don't know. So let's just go do this. On the flip side, what are you most concerned about for the Jaguars in a matchup standpoint that, that you think L.A. could exploit for Jacksonville? The pass rush of, of the Chargers, especially – with the Bosa brother being back, uh, you know, it, it's hard to really qualify how good people are if you don't see them. And uh, early in the year, uh, we didn't face them when they were at 100%. They have a lot of veterans, including Khalil Mack, of course, Dervin James running around in the back. They have people who can make plays on defense, not just hold you off. They can actually make plays that turn into offensive plays and give the team a lot of real good field position. So if the first thing that comes to mind for me would be the pass rush, 
aided by the fact that with Asante Samuel and Derwin James, they have people on the back end who can play. And quiet like guys like Kyle Van Noy, who just keep being professional and keep going about it. And a guy who's been in the year in the league for a long time, but now he's probably playing the best he's ever played. People like that really, really scary because they're going for a championship. Stay up to date all year on the Jacksonville Jaguars by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Jags on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, Stetson Bennett deserves to be mentioned with the best college football quarterbacks of all time, if not above them. Looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and the calories? Then you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me, when you want to eat healthier, you don't want to compromise on taste. So that means you need Built Bar. I had a Built Bar today. Um, in fact, I had the rest of my wife's Built Bar. She did the thing that she cut it in half like she's not going to eat the other half. And then I ate it and she was like, hey, what the heck? And I'm like, you left it. I'm not going to not eat it. They're delicious. It is the kind of thing. Imagine something that is so delicious, but so good for you that you would argue about who got to have the, the last half of that thing. Imagine doing that with any other health food you can think of, any other protein bar you've ever had. It wouldn't happen, right? But it happened because they really are that delicious and yet deliver on all the things that you want from a bar. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein. Bang. That is the recipe. I don't know what the actual recipe is because it's closely guarded. It's a secret because it's magic. But this is this is incredible stuff. Don't believe me? It's easier than ever to get one. Not only can you order them online, now you can go to Walmart and get them. You can go to Sam's Club and get them. They are just a shopping trip away. Go check them out. You can thank me later. Stetson Bennett was the Georgia quarterback for what felt like a decade. He put together a memorable performance for the Bulldogs National Championship win. So memorable that Daniel and Clint from Locked On Georgia see him as the best college quarterback ever. Stetson Bennett is the greatest NCAA quarterback to ever have played the game. Who, Daniel, who is... But Who Daniel, holds the record for most touchdowns accounted for in a championship game? His name Clint. is Stetson Bennett. Oh, it's Stetson Bennett tied with Joe Burrow. Oh, how is many? He, now, hold on. How now, many on. championships did Joe Burrow win? Just the just, just the, the one. one. And so if you go total touchdowns accounted for in championship games, well, you're going to get a lot more than that. Okay. But what if I was to tell you, Daniel, that in every single college football playoff stage, Mm -hmm. Setson Bennett came away with the offensive MVP. What if I was to tell you they led the team to 65 points? They scored on every possession except one. One. One, one they Clint. did not. It, it, Stetson Bennett threw a threw frozen ropes to Brock Bowers and Lad McConkey right. all night. Lad McConkey, who night. I was told by random anonymous SEC coaches couldn't even make their squad. Stetson Bennett threw frozen ropes to them all night, and then he yep. dead-legged the entire TCU defense to the tune of two rushing touchdowns. Uh -huh. He had zero turnovers. No. And he was uh, he broke zero sweats. With all due respect to, to Daniel and Clint, they got a little lost in the sauce on this one. I, I have eyes, and I can see he's plainly not the best quarterback I've ever seen play college football. I watched 
Michael Vick. I watched Peyton Manning. I watched Andrew Luck. I watched Joe Burrow just a couple years ago light the world on fire with a loaded roster. Georgia won the national title 65-7. to I could have been the quarterback of that team and they would have won that game against TCU. It is incredibly impressive. It is the maybe the winningest. If you want to do some caveat like that, the most decorated. But come on, Tim Tebow was a better college quarterback. It's not really even debatable. And his impact on the game, on the program, on college football, on sports, undeniably bigger. This, this is prisoner of the moment. This is a lot of things. It's not reality. And finally, if your team is already drastically shorthanded, maybe keep your motions in check. Dwayne Dedman learned this the hard way as the Heat faced the Thunder with just nine players to begin the game. After Dedman was subbed out with 925 left before halftime, an argument ensued on the sideline as he took his seat. The result of the argument was Dedman slapping a massage gun onto the court while play was happening. The refs called an unsportsmanlike penalty on Dedman and ejected him from the game. The Heat finished the game with eight players and won. I guess Dwayne not angling for that. Theragun sponsorship deal. Tough look. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, who is the favorite to win the Super Bowl? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.